myself in the crotch. It'll work. <laughs> then I'll have to catch my breath and then start. Oh boy, guys, it's so good to be back with you. How, how was your Christmas holiday? Mm. It was snowy. Sam, how was yours? Oh, it was good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. You do any cool stuff? Did you hang out yeah. with any cool, cool ladies? Well, no. Well, that's, that's too bad. But I built one out of snow. I don't know. It sounds like a cold <laughs> Christmas. It was. Yeah. But I huddled up next to John just, just to stay warm. Okay. And those nice curly locks, they do you well. Oh, yeah. Nice and warm. Nice <laughs> and warm. <laughs> what can we expect out of this visit from you, Samwell? Well, actually, I was perusing iTunes. Um, we get some service at the wall from time to time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was this great review from Minkus29356. Sounds like a completely normal username. Yeah. And so I Go wanted on. to read it. <laughs> By all means, Sam, please read to us. Well, this this comes from Minkus and she or he or whatever. It, it, uh, it says, I was already a fan of everybody on this podcast from other podcasts that they are a part of. I don't believe you, Minkus. <laughs> That's a bit redundant, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this makes me love them even more. I love the in-depth analysis of both the show and the books, and the fact that some hosts have not read the books, and others have read them all up to date, so there's something for everyone. The hosts that haven't are slowly reading. You guys are slow, according to her. Uh-huh. <laughs> As during the off-season, the show has a chapter-by-chapter analysis of the book, I look forward to the new episodes, and it is good quality podcasting. Great stuff. Thank you, Mikas. Oh, thank you. Very and nice Sam for that dramatic reading. It's so nice when we have guests. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to have Sam on. Sam, it's always good to hear from Sam. Oh, Mike is here, everybody. Mike, Mike is here with us. Hey, Micah. How's it Thanks going? for using the word love in your review, Mikas, because I don't feel like the word love gets tossed around enough. You know what I mean? So thank you for loving the podcast. Yeah, Agreed. That's, that's better than liking. So cool. It is. And mm-hmm. and I like how uh, Sam pointed out that some of us are slowly reading the books. Yeah, thanks, Sam. <laughs> I love that you pointed that out. We love it. Now, this is it. That's the whole episode. That's it? Yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. Have a good Guys, Friday. I, I, Happy I, I Friday, love, everybody. I love, I love unannounced visits from Sam like I love a good trip to the marketplace. Yeah, what kind of things oh. do you buy? <laughs> oh, you know, I taste some wine uh-huh. when I go. God, there are some, Eric, I didn't even know you were transitioning. Just there were brats. There were brats. There were brats. Yeah, but snuck that one on you. Sausages. They were made by a horse instead of pork, though. Yeah, because but all that's of all of the new all of yeah. the ladies' pigs if you live died in the UK. <laughs> right? Do you guys have horse sausage there? No, but did you see that news story about um, the supermarket putting in horse meat? Oh uh, yeah, in their you meat? posted that. <laughs> That's some and shit. I was like, yeah, of course, because Americans don't already think that we're like <laughs> north of the wall as it is. There's two options. Glue factory or off to the UK for slaughter. So Yeah. That's how we treat horses in the in this earth. Um I'll be right back. My dog is going crazy. Mm, it's like don't eat me. Damn, just when he was about to tell us about his trip to the market. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had already mentioned it. You got to listen back to the the audio. Well, I had some brats, but they were made out of horse instead of pig because the lady's pig died over the uh, water. Now I need to go kill my dog. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. So uh, clearly, this chapter meal. has inspired him to eat his pet. Yes. Yeah, let's Somebody not even cut. Again. Let's just keep going. Eric will be back soon. <laughs> <laughs>
So, so his transition was like a funny sort of uh, look into what's actually happening in this chapter. We have a Danny chapter, which is all, always nice when she's not in the desert. She was in like a bustling marketplace and she was happy, almost like a little girl just giggling about being in the city. It was pretty How- cool. Amazing was this chap just in terms of writing. I know that I gush about this almost on every single show, but I mean George R. R. Martin just every single word of his like millions of words that he writes in these books are in some way like paint you a picture, you know? And like in this marketplace it was like your senses were being assaulted with all these fancy words for basically just smells. And that was all that was all it was. Smells and like colors and he just spent pages and pages and pages and pages on just painting you this picture. It was a nice particular paragraph that was literally just dedicated to showing the shops that she was looking yes. at. And it was really lengthy and it was cool. And we were making jokes about the sausages, but it was so interesting to see the Dothraki, even like the hard asses that roll with her through the town. She's like, just try a sausage, guys. And they're like, I don't mm-hmm. want that shit. And she's like, try it. It's good. That she, It's garlic and pepper and it's delicious. And they were like, it's okay. And she was like, well, it doesn't taste what I'm used to. What is this made out of? She's like, oh, it's made out of a horse. And they were like, well, hell yeah, yeah this no, is good. <laughs> and so it's like three of them. And then I got hungry. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I know. But yeah, it's true. It's it's funny with those Dothraki that they're so they're they're basically like um, I don't know how to how to say it in a polite way, but they're basically like people that aren't happy with change. You hmm. know, they're very set Sticks country in folk. The mud. Yeah, no, I I think so. I always have the the imagining of of the Dothraki, like you know, like this tiny village where you get like an outsider come in and they're like, but their clothes is different from ours. We don't trust them. You know. Yeah. Hmm. Like if 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 the Game of Thrones was a western. That would be. <laughs> Who's the, they roll into town? Like, Who's that guy that bathes? Exactly. <laughs> Back to the Future Part Three. They're making fun of Michael J. Fox's hat. Yeah. Yeah. See, that would be them. What's your name, Clint Eastwood? What kind of a name is that? <laughs> I love it. It's basically that's basically what happens, and um, we got to see this scene actually played out pretty well in the TV show. Honestly. I mean, even the bit where Jorah's like, I got to peace out. And Danny's like, I don't know why he's leaving me because I kind of wanted to hang, but he's probably going to go off and get laid. Some guys are weird about coupling. Like, they like to keep it secret. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do it out in the open moonlight in front of the whole tribe like she does. Right. She's like, that's just weird that he's going to go be private with his things. So that was that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And she gets a chance to speak Valyrian again, which she hasn't done in a little while. She said it felt odd on her tongue. Yeah, it's it's nice you get in this chapter, you get such a sense of the fact that she doesn't have a home at all, you know, Danny, she's... But also, she's slightly more cultured, I want to say, than the Dothraki. Not that the Dothraki yeah. aren't cultured, they have their own culture. I think I part just... of it, too, is, part of it, too, like, what, what you were saying, Zach, about them being, like, or even Selena, about them not wanting change, they still have a lot of things in their own side of the world that interest them, and they're still conquests to be had i guess in a way they haven't they haven't outgrown their land so they're really content with not leaving across this huge sea you know they don't have boats they don't know how that works and they're really content because they haven't outgrown their land to just stay on their land and live live off of it and kill each other it's kind of like us in space travel we're like eh, <laughs> eh that's cool our planet's not screwed yet yeah let's yeah. just keep using fossil fuels it'll be all right our kids can deal with it it's just, uh, this chapter was always so weird to me because you had Ser Jorah, who, who you mentioned earlier, just kind of leaves her to go alone. And then he comes in just in the nick of time to save the day as she about to drink the poison wine. You know, it, 
I don't know. It's a little too coincidental for me. It was pretty strong. His reaction was pretty strong because for all intents and purposes, especially the character description of this wine salesman, he was he seemed like a pretty decent personable dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when they when when he offered her better wine, I mean, her reaction was probably what any person's would be. She's like, oh, hey, that's cool. You know, me and my, my husband will drink this. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You know? Yeah. But George, he knew. He was like, this guy is shady as hell because he went off to go grab the mail. And when he read in a letter, basically the letter was like, hey, look out because the usurper definitely wants her dead. Yeah. And he just knew this is the guy who's going to do it, or at least he's going to at least try to do it. So the, his intuition was pretty solid. There's definitely that change of heart in Jorah because he's the one who's there initially to ensure that she dies. And and something changes in him, whether it's his personal feelings for her or just, you know, because it's not till later on in the series, or at least in this particular book, where he really has that profound understanding that she could be the one true person to... She's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like Harry Potter. That, well, that's what it is, though, Mike. I think I think literally it's, and, and this is mean, I guess, but in Jorah's case, and I think Selena would probably agree with me because we've talked about this before. But I really believe that it's more of she's the one for me rather than she's the one to you know bring back the old shit. You know what I mean? Like I think he just is really obsessed with her. Yeah, I think it's probably both. You think you so? Know, like, yeah, I think so. I think because he's so obsessed with her, he sort of places all of this on on her. Like, she is the promised everything, basically. But the the, the ironic thing is, I guess, is that he isn't wrong. You know? Right. Well, he got to see her, you know, transform from kind of a soft girl that ha- didn't have much experience the ugly in anything. Duckling yeah. Into the swan. To being like all tan and like desert written with like long <laughs> like hair and like you know how do you resist that? You know what I mean? Like I I get it, Jorah, but come on, man. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah, she's likable. Um, you know, especially how she deals with the way she comes into her power and all that. Um, except there's a pretty massive mountain you have to move if you're ever going to be with her, Jorah. I'm speaking to now directly, which is the call. Um, you know, she's married. Sorry, mm. she's taken. And if you tried tapping that right now, they would. But he wouldn't, though. He's just, he's just confident. He's just content just being around her and being like her trusted knight, you know? He, she, mm. her. No, it's a good, I mean, it's a good honor. And he's kind of like an ambassador in that way where he's able to kind of explain how the world works to her. Right. Gotta check and- the ring, Jorah. Check the ring, yo. <laughs> And he's much more, I want to say, trustworthy than Illyrio, um, you know, and he's not a flatterer necessarily. He'll just tell her where it is and occasionally save her from being poisoned. So there's that. Right. But Illyrio was the guy who tipped him off. So really, Illyrio, in this case, especially in this chapter, really did them a solid. Otherwise, you know, she'd be swimming with the fishes early on. That's a good point. Right. So that that raises a larger question, in, in my opinion, is what does Illyrio have to gain from the Targaryen staying alive? Well, I think that he's the kind of person that's probably a lot like Varys, where he's going to try to solidify his spot in several different places just in case this falls out or that falls out. Like, he always has something to kind of, like, be good for him. But at the same time, he's already wealthy and has a sick house, so he's fine, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think Twitter, you could yeah. say that. You could say that about a lot of people, though, in this in this series, that they have a lot, and that why would they want more, or why would they want to risk losing what they have to gain more? That's definitely a massive theme within the book because that 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 really is true, and we've talked about it before. Where you're dealing with a a, a world, uh, a government, a place in society where 
there is a vast separation between the haves and the have-nots. Um, for example, a few chapters ago where Sansa is sort of dealing with the aftermath of what's happening in King's Landing. I think you guys talked about this on a previous episode. But, you know, she's essentially locked into a tower or something like that. Mm. And she's given these rations, this food, and it's like, you know, chicken and greens. You know, she's eating very well still. And I'm thinking about all of the people that are struggling that we've seen you know, that are fighting for these armies that are dying and that, you know, sort of live in squalor, comparatively speaking, to these lords and lordlings. And this whole series is sort of decorated with the desires of this just egotistical, greed-driven want to dominate and to assert even more power over people and to have even more power and more land and more dominance. And it's just these people are getting an X on their names. They're sort of like karma wise. They're dealing with the negative feedback. They're dealing with the negative shit from all of their greed. And that's, I think the theme of what we're dealing with a lot in this, in this book and in the show, honestly, yeah. I think also once trade, like say Danny goes and conquers the West. Once trade is then to open up between the East and the West again, Illyria is going to be the main point of contact. I think, you know, like didn't Danny won't forget him. And I think that that is going to put him in a good position. Like, he doesn't have to do any of the work. He doesn't have to send men to the West to assist. No, she's got all of the uh, the, the Dothraki for that. Um, so I think it puts him in a good position to, you know, continue to give the heads up. Because when she thinks of anybody that she knows who's East, he's going to be pretty much the only one. You know, with the Cal and Jorah and everybody having moved West with her. And, you know, not even not even going to trading, but just in terms of, I mean, Illyria just strikes me as an insanely greedy person. And he knows that if he helps Danny in any way get into power, he can basically come to her. I mean, in his sort of, the way he's built himself up as this godlike figure, you know, who commands slaves and just has all this power over people. He can basically probably imagine that he can go to her and be like, I did this for you. Now you must give me A, B, C, D, if, you know, gold, whatever right. I want, you know? But, I mean, maybe I'm just forgetting something, but do we know at this point what the context of the letter from Illyria was? Um, we have Jorah's word for it. But maybe it was just word of what was going to happen. What Jorah chooses to do with that information is strictly up to him because Jorah is essentially a hired assassin, um, you know, to to take her out. We learn that, you know, later on, or we learn it at least from the conversation that we overhear between those two mysterious figures in the dungeon. So and and he I think even Robert reiterates the fact that Jorah is is over with Daenerys. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm mixing things up in my mind. I, I'm not. I'm just trying to think. You know, is it is it Jorah who ultimately decides to do with the information for good, as opposed to just having the information that some you know street vendor is going to try and kill her with a glass of wine. I think that you're right. I think that if Jorah hasn't completely pivoted to her side yet, I think that giving himself the option to always take her out if he needs to, or if he wants to rather than someone else is good. Because for example, if he still is sticking to his task, I feel like he's riding out the Danny situation to see what exactly plays out. And if it's not a better situation for him in the end, he'll just do what he originally planned to do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is really, really smart strategy wise. I mean, cause he's doing fine. Like he's not even welcome back on Westeros anyway. So 
Yeah. What the hell? And yeah. she's hot, so cool. <laughs> well, speaking of hot, um, she 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 asks Jorah to, I guess, draw the fire or create a fire. Um, even oh, though it's yeah. it's pretty hot outside, she has this she has this, I- she has this idea. It's like an interior monologue after the attempt mm-hmm. on her life. She starts thinking about her brother, and she starts thinking, "Gee, wouldn't it be nice if there were dragons around to protect me?" And so she puts her eggs. In the embers of this this fire, of course, nothing happens, and she's like, "Oh well, clearly they're just stone, but still." Um, and so she puts her eggs into the flame. This is like an interesting decision for her to make, but she makes it, and she kind of begins caring for these rocks, these pretty rocks. This is so cool because it's pretty much like the first proper. I mean, we sort of you knew as soon as the eggs got introduced that at some point they were, you know, you don't introduce dragon eggs into a story unless they're going to hatch yeah. <laughs> at some point yeah, in the no. story. These story are just telling jewels. But yeah, but you know, I I think that, you know, this was the moment when it sort of it began to change when you realized that her destiny was tied to these dragons in such a profound way that she wasn't just going to carry this child and and lead him to us. You know, it wasn't going to be like a linear story like she like we were, we were thinking it might be, you know. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was like a really empowering moment. Well, and the other, the other big thing is that Drogo is convinced at the end of the chapter, after the attempt on his <laughs> oh, <yeah>. wife's life. <laughs> That's the infamous, you know, the infamous speech <laughs> as well from the show, where he like he sort of goes, "I will save you, I will protect you," and all the audience is like, "Yeah, yeah," and then he goes, "I will rape your women <laughs> and kill your children." Can he sort of. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really support him that much after that. Yeah, I know. It's one of my favorite things about the show when they did that. <laughs> yeah, so there's that, and it's and it's a little bit different than the show because in the show he gives that huge speech after he kills Viserys, as opposed to here it's after there's that attempt on her life uh, in the market. Mm-hmm. So they change it up a little bit, not too. Much. Yeah, but she she finally convinced him to go in a boat to Westeros with all of his men, and that's that's they don't even know how that works. They've never set foot on a boat. Well, it was a nice catalyst, though. You know, like basically oh, yeah. we got to see so much because I mean, at the beginning of the chapter, they're talking, and it's like it's understood with themselves and the audience. There's no way in hell the Dothraki are going over the sea. She's like, well, he wants to go to the east and plunder around the Jade Sea. And he's like, <laughs> Jorah's like, well, that's a good idea. I mean, they have everything they want here, but they might one day just hold out for hope. And then literally at the end of this chapter, it's like, oh, we got the catalyst. Here we are. You know, mm-hmm. so <laughs> we're going. So it was nice. Yeah, it was really good. It was okay. <laughs> I liked it. Does that conclude our chapter discussion? I think it pretty much does. Can I go first with the owns? Yes. Because I'll pretty much just want to reiterate what I just said, which oh. is that my the own has to be um, not not so much um, what's his face his speech Drogo's speech because you know that was known on all in its own. But I just I just the moment when you're so on his side and then he just twists it around and says something completely terrible and you're sitting there really wanting to cheer, but you can't. I just thought that was a brilliant thing in general. I just had to get my own to that. All right. You guys don't get it, do you? You, you don't get why this is so amazing. No, he's, he's hyped up. He's really, he's really <laughs> important. He wants to give his son the, uh, the Iron Throne. I get right, it. right, right. But it's just like you know, because because you really want to be on your on um on his side because Danny loves him so much. Yeah. And you sort of see this character that is the brute, but he learns to be gentle and and not your Beauty and the Beast kind of story all over again. Except the Beast doesn't want to rape the women and kill the children. <laughs> well, well I, I did I did have the thought. Wait, wouldn't that be cheating on Danny if he? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, if you were I mean, raping these women. That's the problem here. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can't cheat on Danny. He's the he's the call. Like their cultures are totally different. You know what I mean? Still, you you risk turning her into a, a scorned woman like Cersei. It's totally different. It's <laughs> totally different for the Dothraki man. They the, their culture is just vastly different. Like marrying the call, she completely understands that he might just be out in the village, like riding around and see like a servant girl and be like, "Hey, come here." I don't think they have that understanding. Yes, they do. Read the book. <laughs> okay, okay, I will. Mine goes to the man in the marketplace who came so close to killing uh, the Khaleesi. Not not because not necessarily for his near triumph there, um, but because he really knew what to say and how to say it. Um, you know, polite wise and everything. He was just, oh, you know, this isn't. Worth my lips and all that crap. So, he did very good with that. He played his part. He almost made it. And almost made it. Dude, yep. he, he's God, so close. So close. Mine goes to Daenerys when she says, You will drink. Empty the cup or I will tell them to hold you down while Sojora pours the whole cask down your throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to give my own to Danny because she did the the awesome, like, girlfriend slash wife situation where she was like uh drogo they tried to kill me so we should go anyway he's like yeah you know what we should go screw it i'll ride your boat let's do it like totally used her womanly ways and it totally worked so good job danny yeah go danny this was back when she was still awesome (laughs) yeah i know i really like i mean i liked her in this you know and i i did i didn't dislike her really that much. I didn't really dislike her in the first season at all. And I don't necessarily dislike her now, per se. But as we all know, you guys listening, you guys here with me, and the people that aren't listening that do watch, we all know that, you know, at least in S2, she's just kind of insufferable. But in this situation, it's like, well, you know, you handled yourself quite well. Yeah. She's got a heck of a journey ahead of herself, as all of our characters do. And with that said, speaking of reading the books, if you're reading the books and something occurs to you that you want to bring to our attention, or if something we have said on this episode has evoked an emotion or reaction within you, and you care to respond to it, you can do so one of several ways. First is to tweet us, twitter.com slash gameofowns, and you can always email us at contact at gameofowns.com. There is a forum on our partner website, hypable.com. Selena, tell us about that. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> hypable.com, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com, has a forum, which can be found at forum.hypable.com, where you can discuss loads of different fandoms, including, but not limited to, Game of Thrones. Or Game of Thrones. That's all I got. Uh, you can also discuss Game of Thrones, it's true. Yeah. Which is a website. That. <laughs> know that already. Wow. Gameofowns.com. If it's you're also- super bored, <laughs> so bored... So bored, in fact, that you need to go on the internet and look at videos from uh, Game of Thrones, the TV show or book, or any of those other things. It's a great place to go spend some of your well-earned time. Yes, everything that owns is on GameofOwns.com. And if it's not on there, it doesn't Doesn't own. own. Doesn't own. Yeah. Yeah. It is known. It is. Uh, It is known. It is owned. It is owned. It is known. Right? Isn't that what Selena came up with? It is known. It is known. It is known. We also are on those uh, various social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter, uh, at Game of Owns or Facebook.com backslash Game of Owns. Erica, if you already mentioned this, I apologize. Uh, you, and the other uh, social media thingamabob that we're on is iTunes, uh, where you can rate and review us. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. If you choose to rate us anything less than five stars this week, uh, you will be forced uh, to have a 
gallon of mead shoved down your throat courtesy of one Daenerys Targaryen. All right, I'm going to go give a one-star review right now, then. Hold on. <laughs> Free mead. Free mead. Poison yeah, mead. I'm, wait, I don't care if it's poison. You're telling me that Danny's going to come up in that burlap sack that she wears and pour oh, a gallon God. of mead down my throat? Worst ways to die, right, Zach? Where, where can I sign up? I can handle a gallon of mead. It's called the Gallon Challenge, guys, and we got this. How about if you don't review us five stars, she won't show up with a gallon of mead to pour down your throat? That makes more sense. Okay. You got two threats this week, one from Chris, one from us. That should be enough. Congratulations. Congratulations. Don't you just love us now that we've threatened you twice? Twice. You've been yeah, man, it's unpredictable. Now we're on the other side of 50. Anything can happen. I know, right? We're this on the other side true. of 50. It's a completely new year. This is our first week in the new year. Um, I don't know what's going to come next. Well, you know what? I do. Forget that. That's just not a good enough threat. We'll we'll threaten that you'll be dragon, <laughs> dragon, dragon. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be, be dragoned. That's, that's where you get turned into a dragon by a wizard. You'll be dragged by a horse with a rope attached to your unmentionables. Ow! What that happens in the show? Oh damn! Okay. Wow, you are back on form, Micah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With that, uh, it's Friday. Oh, don't forget that uh, all this week's episodes were brought to you by. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Alpha. <laughs> We're the Game search first result on Google. <laughs> it's a podcast. I'm Zach Lee. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Selena Wilkin. And I'm Mike Tannenbaum. Goodbye. Bye. Stuff. See you later. <laughs> what is Airlock Alpha? <laughs> you gotta look it up, though. <laughs>